This week's episode covers topics around depression and suicide that some people might find upsetting or distressing. So please decide if it's right for you to listen. And if you are struggling, please contact a GP or a professional for help. Hi, I'm Vogue Williams, your host for Taboo Talk, the podcast brought to you by Boots that asks the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. Each episode will focus on one aspect of physical or mental health with guests providing personal insights as well as expert takeaways. And we are kicking things off today with two amazing guests, father and son duo Roman and Martin Kemp, who are going to be discussing a topic that I think will strike a chord with pretty much everyone listening in some kind of way, mental health. Now, we have come a long way from the days when men were expected to be emotionally mute, forever bottling up their feelings and being told to man up the second they even show the slightest bit of vulnerability. But there is still a really long way to go with research showing that rates of undiagnosed depression are substantially higher in men than in women and men seek help far less often. TV and Capital FM radio presenter Roman Kemp, who has spoken openly about battling depression for 13 years and the impact this has had on his life. Similarly, Roman's father, Martin Kemp, best known as the bassist in the band's Fando Ballet and for his role as Steve Owen in EastEnders, he has talked about his own struggles after having two brain tumours removed, which has left him with debilitating side effects that he will have for the rest of his life. Before we get into that, if anyone listening to this episode is struggling with their mental health and would like support, Always speak with a medical professional as a first port of call. No matter how you're feeling, remember that there is help available. You can head over to boots.com forward slash health hub to access life effects, which gives you tips and advice from people living with and managing their anxiety and depression symptoms. Plus on boots.com, the how are things mood and symptom checker, which helps to give you an outside perspective on your mood, help you understand why you might be feeling the way you do and what might help you feel like you again. Eligibility and criteria charges do apply. Okay, let's get started. Okay, Roman, I love the way you're so open, the way you talk about mental health and everything like that. I think it's really, really important. But you have had your own struggles with depression for about 13 years. When do you think you were at your lowest point? When did you actually realise that there was something wrong? It's quite, it's it's a weird one because I think uh, I, I realised it when I was, guess I was told it by a doctor, but that was when I was like 15. So and you kind of second guess everything. I think, I think as a, as a guy, anything that a doctor tells you, you kind of say in your head, no, this is, I'm right internally about how I feel. But it was mainly, you know, I, I, I felt like I remember saying to my mum, no, I'm just a normal teenager that's just moody and, you know, miserable at times, etc. And then, you know, sure enough, after they, you know, they take blood tests and things like that and they kind of say that it's a, on a chemical level of like you're not releasing enough serotonin and etc. And I think that's when you realistically know something's wrong. It's not something that you can ever kind of, I think when it comes to mental health, especially in men, it's not something that... I think men want it to always be, oh, here's a cure for it. It'll be gone forever. Yeah. But it's not. You just learn to you learn to deal with it and you learn to know that there's going to be times where it's really tough mm. and then there's going to be times where, where it's okay and you feel great. And it's just about how you educate yourself and how you deal with um, the tough moments and, and what are the tools that you can call upon that, that you've used before to help you in that. So, you know, more to, more to your question of like, yeah, I guess I realized it when I was 15. But there's different moments in my life where it's been 
real bad, but there's also yeah. moments where it's been fine. So at 15, you found yourself in the doctor. How did you get to that point, though? Um, my mum forced me to go. My mum forced me to go. Yeah, but my mum, uh, I mean, my dad probably, you know, knows more than me. My mum's my family, specifically my, my granddad, was something that me growing up, I, I, I don't think I ever saw him really smile. Oh, God. Like, I can't, I can't recall ever seeing that. Like, when I say the most miserable person I've ever met, <laughs> for sure. I feel like all granddads are a bit miserable. <laughs> yeah, but he was, he was a bit an odd one, right? He was an odd one, yeah. And uh, I think looking back now, you know, he had uh, mental health problems that we oh, never yeah. recognised, you know. Yeah. But, but going back to Roe, you know, Roe was, uh, when I, you know, Roe growing up, always kind of, me, kind of had me worried because he was so... He was so excited about everything. He was the entertainer. He would be in the middle of the floor entertaining everyone all the time. And I think if you, if that comes out of you, then there's obviously there's a, another side to that that drops because yeah. I always see life on a straight line, on a graph, and what goes up has to come down. Yeah. And you always get that with everything. Uh, so it evens itself out. And uh, if you have those massive highs, you've got to have massive lows. And I think that was the first time that I would always I remember Roe being really young and me and Shirley. And I saying to Shirley that uh, I was worried about Roe, that when he does come down, he's going he's low, he's going to be as low as he's high. Uh, and uh, I think it's that's like what Just extremes, happened. yeah. Yeah. But um, it, again, it's just about learning how to deal with those things. So I think it, it was, you know, as my mum, you know, thankfully just kind of like making me recognise it and understand it from... Early, I guess. Fifteen is pretty early. Fifteen is very early to know that. But as a dad, like Mm. I know for myself, like you just really want to look after your kids. You want to make sure they're okay and super happy. How is it for you knowing that Roman has struggled? Well, uh, listen, um, I think Roman's been really good about it because he's sharing his story with everybody, and he's making what the struggle that he's had. He's making people aware of that. So he's using it in a really positive way. Yeah. Uh, he found out what Roman's um, struggle was, was a chemical thing. Uh, and mm. it was a fix that we could do with medication. Well, that's the thing. Like, like my, my big thing was I, I wasn't sad per se about something. Like, yeah. I wasn't, like nothing was like necessarily getting me down. I had a great childhood, a great school, great friends, all those types of things. So it didn't make sense yeah. as to, to why, you're, why you're like that. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, can, they can test for... You can test pretty much everything. It, 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 like chemical depression is a, a normal thing, yeah. you know, and, and it's yeah. uh, it's something with the the serotonin levels aren't reaching the peaks that probably most normal people have. Yeah, um, and sometimes you just need a little bit of a booster. So, you know, and and that's what I say. Like, there's there's always there's a lot of stigma around, you know, people, you know, taking antidepressants or, or those types of things. It's genuinely just what works for you. Yeah. Like, and you know, some people prefer to go in and sit with a therapist and pour their heart out or some people prefer meditation. Some people prefer just to go to the gym. It's all coping mechanisms. All of them are coping mechanisms. I know for a fact that if someone said to me that the tablet that I take in the morning is, is a complete placebo. Great. Yeah. I couldn't care less. Like, yeah, if like, it works it, for you. It, it works for me. I think as well with people like you speaking out about it, which I'm sure is really difficult. I know for myself when I spoke out about anxiety and I just said that like, oh yeah, I'm on tablets. And like then all of a sudden, like everybody just wanted to talk about anxiety. And I just was like, I don't want to be labeled just as the anxious person. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that? You're just like, okay, there's loads more to me. Like this is a part of me, but it's not everything. Um, yeah, I guess so. Look, this part of my life is is a part of my life that... 
I probably wouldn't have gone around shouting about it if I wasn't kind of backed into a corner too, which mentally I felt I was because of what happened over the last year. And, but all my friends are aware of it. You know what I mean? Like I was never like, like, because I've always been very open about it, you know, at at the same time. I think, you know, when you say to my dad, like, how does it feel to, to know that your son struggled with things? I think everyone's kids struggle. Every yeah. every single person that you meet will struggle in their own way, but it's whether or not they want to talk about that. And and that's the nice thing is that once you do talk about it, the options just open up and the problem becomes far smaller. But, yeah. you know, I, I think I feel a lot safer now with Ro because him and his mates, there's about three or four of them that speak about it completely openly. They talk about, they call each other when they have a bad day. They say, how mm. do you feel? They talk about And it is the loveliest thing to see and it's it really it's Roman and your old school friends yeah that are still together yeah, yeah. from yeah. when he was like 15, 16 and a few of them like when the, certain ones have a bad day they call each other and they, they've got this support system that makes me feel as a dad absolutely brilliant yeah you know that I know that they can cope together which is really good I love that as well but especially with men I feel like women like as soon as I'm having a bad day I blurt it out to loads of people but with men Mm. like to hear you do have a group like that is actually really a nice thing to have yeah it's different like the friends that my dad's talking about like they've been my mates since since I was like six yeah like they're like my brothers do you know what I mean like it's kind of that type of relationship but I think that I certainly like I've always been very open like I've never really been I think because because growing up as a quote unquote celebrity kid yeah I was always uh, hang on uh, rock star kid <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah let's get it right yeah I, I think <laughs> I was always under the impression I was always under the impression that the more I am honest with anything the less it can come back to me so for instance I would always be the first person to when I used to join new schools, I would always be the first person to make jokes about the fact that like I come from a really privileged, you know what I mean? Like like yeah, I've yeah, got yeah. Parents, celebrity parents, all this type of stuff, like be very open with it and all those types of things and allow jokes to come to me and uh, kind of deflects people doing it to you first, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Like I always yeah. I always go back to this like one scene in remember Eminem did Eight Mile, the movie. Yeah. Right? And the end scene is he he is in a he's in a rap battle and the way how he wins the whole battle is he doesn't even rap about the other person. He says everything that's bad about himself. And then once so he's done are, that, the yeah. other person's got nothing that they can even say. So I always kind of have lived my life like that. I think even when I go on radio, my uh, self-deprecation can be really funny. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that you can't do that without being honest about who you are. So I guess it was, you know, it's a part of my life that I chose not to give to the general public as a wide just because I just thought, it's not really their problem. Yeah. You know, but my close mates have always been very aware that like, you know, if I'm struggling with something, if my friends ask me, you know, how, how's your day been? And it's been pretty bad and like it's over something small, then men are, men are superbly insecure people. Yeah. And sometimes those insecurities can really kill someone in their head. And that's a form of mental health struggle. And they just don't know that. You know, yeah. they, the ideology of what they think a depressed person is, is far different. It's far more normal. And I think that's just men just not really recognizing it. I think a lot of men think that, it, oh, depression or, you know, mental health doesn't affect me I, I, or I don't really believe in it. It's like it does. It just mm. shows itself in different ways. Yeah. yeah. 
But I, I love seeing you and your mates, the, the way that uh, someone will have a bad day and Roe will say, oh, we're going around to see so-and-so or, you know, we're getting together because he's not feeling too good at the moment. And I absolutely love that. And uh, not only do I love it, it makes me feel really safe as well. Yeah. But I know that he's got this group. Yeah, you must have had times, though, where you do feel super worried about yeah, when he's going through a hard time. times when he stood out more than, when I look back, that he stood out more than other times. I think, do you remember when um, you had the band and the band um, mm-hmm. was signed to Universal when he was only, how old were you when that 15. happened? 15. Oh, yeah. And then when the band finished, Roe was really low. And that, that was the first time that I really remember being worried about him because it went on longer than it should have done. And these highs that he was having as a kid, you know, wanting to be the centre of attention, wanting to be the funny guy that kept everybody entertained, Mm. had just disappeared. Uh, And I knew there was something going on then for the first time. And I think that's when me and Shirley started talking about it. I think that's what Roman's talking about when he was 15. Yeah, yeah, so that was a really well. That's a low point for anyone if something like that happens. But obviously, yeah. you had yeah, but yeah, I think when what you have to understand is what my dad's talking about of me and my mates getting together and those types of things. That's all well and good, but we still had someone in our friend group take their own life. Yeah, and like, and in that sense, you're like God. Like we look after each other, and that still happened. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And mm. it's like, and and now I'm terrified. Like terrified of of losing someone else to suicide, like of course I am. Like that. Listen, I I did not ever want to be associated with that word, ever, and now I am. Mm. Now that word follows me around. It will follow me around for the rest of my life, hundred yeah. percent. Like I'm attached to it. People want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like now, like you know, I, after I made a documentary about it, it's like it's constant. You know, even when I, when I do a radio show, I have probably two to three texts. That talk about that per show, yeah. Wow. Like nothing to do with what I'm chatting about on it. Or go to go to a bar at, at whatever, and a, 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 a lad my age will come up to me and tell me and um, pour his heart out, which is which is great. But I wasn't thinking about it in that moment. But now I am. Yeah, but I have to tell you as well. Is like since you've made that show, so many people will stop me in the street and say, "I want to say thank you to yeah. what your boy did." Yeah, but it's it's but yeah, but it's a catch twenty two because it's like that's great. But I never wanted to be here. No, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, like sure. yeah, but sometimes you're pushed into that situation. Yeah, and yeah. It's the same way. It. It's the same. It's the same way that my dad always has to speak about brain tumors. Yeah. My, my dad mm-hmm. never wanted to talk about brain tumors. You got pushed into all of a sudden. Yeah, that yeah, is you, part you, of your you, life. Yeah, it's part yeah. of you. Yeah, and that, that follows you. You know, yeah. even if I get in a cab, the first thing, like a lot of the time, first thing that I get in a cab, oh, I'm sorry about your friend, yeah. and it's like it's like weird. Like, do you know what I mean? It's weird, but like... But I know, I heard about your friend as well. Like, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think it was amazing that like, from something that was so tragic, like to think about the amount of people that have actually thought about their own, like yeah. mortality and everything. And if they're going through a really hard time to be like, okay, it can get to that point, but maybe I can pull it back and it won't be to that point. And well, that well, that was it. Like, and, and, and that's why, like I, I said, I've, I've said this a million times, but I, I, I made that documentary very, very selfishly because of the trauma that I had off the back of it. I remember speaking to my parents about it. I remember speaking to, obviously, speaking to, to Joe's parents about it and saying, like, look, like, I, I feel like I, I can't, I need to go and find out as much as I can do about suicide and, and learn about that. And I, know, I, knew, I knew that the, the best way for me to do that was by, one, 
doing it in a means that I enjoy, which is being creative about it. And two, I knew that it would give me access to the people that I wanted to speak to without me having to go and actively search for it. I was doing it and it, at the same time we were doing something good because I, I hated Joe for a good like two to three months after that. I, I literally, I remember, would call you guys. Yeah, I would, yeah, I I would remember, say, yeah. I wake well, up every said, day yeah. and I just, I hate him. Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. I'm just like, how could you leave me? How could you leave me, your mum, your dad, your sister? Like, all of those things. And, and that's trauma. You know, that every, everyone goes through, you know, trauma in different stages. And I had that and, and, I, and I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to be able to, you know, fall in love with my pal again. And, and, and after doing that, I, I did because I, I kind of broke away from it. And, but goes without saying that, I wanted to make it because it was just like, I felt like I had this piece of paper that was telling me everything that you thought suicide looks like. And even though I thought I was really savvy with mental health because I'd been on antidepressants or I've seen therapists before and I look after some of my mates, it still wasn't enough. Yeah. But and it was it's such a shock, though, with Joe, wasn't it? Because, you know, yeah. we were out to dinner just a few nights earlier and he was happy. He was talking about the future. He was talking about everything. And uh, we sat there and he seemed like the happiest guy you could ever meet. Yeah. This is like two days before. Yeah. That's great. That must be hard uh, to, like, so, digest that just, then. He was just hiding everything. All yeah. The pain that he had and the trouble that he had in his life, yeah. he was keeping it locked in. I, yeah. I remember, I, I remember um, when I first called my parents... Like when I when I first found out, obviously I found out pretty instantly. Yeah. Whilst I was on air, oh. but the idea that Joe was someone that could take his own life didn't exist. Yeah. So there was obviously I knew that he had died, but I, I had no idea what happened. Realistically, you know, you, you can't until you know the, the, whatever. But it wasn't clear. So in my head, it was some freak accident. I actually remember calling my my dad and my mum and and you know we thought it was just some freak accident. That's right. Yeah, Do you remember? Did, yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and you know I just remember my yeah. dad just saying I, I still can hear my dad on the phone just saying it's so unfair, you know because we were with him the two days before. But as it transpired later on in that day and you know you found out more, I just that idea that you know, this person could do that to themselves was was scary. Not just not just in the sense of like you know you feel like you know someone, but it's like shit like if that's like him who's like the happiest person i know like what about this friend and this friend and what about me like do you know what i mean am i going to reach that point one day where i'm just like i really don't want to be here it's really hard to make sense of something like that i've had i've lost friends to suicide and mm. one of my friends a really close friend he kind of made me understand it a little bit he said that because he was discussing when he was planning and he didn't he didn't do it mm -hmm. but he said that he had such a sense of calm and happiness like in the lead up to yeah, when he was going to do it that like nobody would tell before yes so one of the things that is odd about it is it's as simple as and the thing that i found so upsetting is that a lot of the time specifically i i know i only speak from a male perspective because it's all i kind of you know can yeah. talk to you about but men view it in more of a a means to an end way and, and just like it, there's there's pain and, and suffering and, and they, they feel like it's as simple as people will say to me all the time like oh like you know they must have been going through something terrible in their head but sometimes it is as simple as I'm not where I should be in my life right now and I don't want that and that's what's sad about it. it is as simple as that so like you say that moment of bliss where you're like I've got full control of my life it's in my hands now I'm not waiting on anyone else. I'm not. I'm not waiting for a job application. I'm not waiting for this and that. 
it's it's I'm in control. Uh, I yeah. think you're absolutely right as well. You know, the the friends that I've lost over the years through uh, drugs, right, mm. uh, was it was all about from overdoses was all about that they hadn't achieved what they wanted to, that they hadn't found themselves in the place that they thought they were going to be. Yeah. And people really struggle with that. And that's yeah. uh, something that we should all look out for. A hundred percent. But you can look at people and I'm sure people look at you and you're, you're so successful. You're so young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good looking guy. Like you, it would look well, like not, you. Not that good looking. He's all right. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sure people look at you and like it must be kind of like opposing lives to you. So in one sense, everyone thinks you've got it all. Like sure. how, wh- how could he be like that when actually you kind of have this other side to you as well that people just never knew of it, I guess. Sure, but again, at the same time, that, that side is still me. Like, you know, people always say, like, you know, when, when I do the radio show, it's still me. Like, I, yeah. I, I, it's not like some facade. It's just, it's energy splitting. You know, it's like what yeah. I was saying before we jumped on here. It's like, I think just because of my You were job, definitely I, quieter before I, we yeah, came in here. Yeah, <laughs> I have to learn. I have to learn, like, when to use my energy. You know, like my, my, like my dad said, it's like, you know, I have really big highs, so I, I've got to mellow out before you go to a really real low, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I think when it came to making the doc, I knew, hands down, I knew that the first thing, that, and it was the first thing I saw, which was they put out a press release saying that I was doing it. Even though it was well publicized that I had lost, you know, a close friend to me, it was, uh, it was like, ah, oh, celebrity kid what does he know about uh, <laughs> mental health all that type of stuff and blo- and look that's understandable because there's so little known about you know mental health struggles yeah all it, all it is is that the reality is it it doesn't wear any uniform like yeah. it's it's what matters to you in that moment like so it doesn't matter like if you have a lot if you have a little as i say it, it can be as simple as it can be as simple as as a guy worrying about his hair receding can be can turn into a form of depression for that person because it's such an insecurity that it's affecting their head. It doesn't matter where it them. comes from. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. And, you know, and, and that's why I say so. It doesn't pick and choose, you know. But when you have to like get up and kind of perform in a way, like yeah. what are your side effects of depression? Like, do, do you find it hard to sleep or no? I, to be honest, I'm really I'm I'm on top of it a lot. Like I'm I'm on to, as I say like doing those jobs. But the reason I do those jobs, the reason I, I do the radio is because I, I love it. Like it makes me more than happy. Yeah. You know, like it's something that I can go and I can play for four hours. Outside of the radio, I, I still, like out my friend group, I'd still say I'm the quietest one. Yeah. I'm first to leave on a night out. I don't really go out. Like, do you know what I mean? You don't but go to clubs. No, I don't. <laughs> but you know, I'm like, like I, I'm just not that, that guy. Like, like I'm, yeah. I've never kind of been that guy. But I, I think that, I think it's kind of like I've learned over the years of how to deal with it. I've done different forms of meditation. I've done different, you know, I still see every now and again, like if it starts to get bad, I'll go and see a therapist, you know, and I I'll love, go and talk it. I think it. therapy's great. Yeah. yeah, but, but you know, like I've always been really open about that. My mates know, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like if they say to me, oh, what did you do this week? Oh, I was like, oh, I had a bit of a long week. Like I had therapy this day because it was just like getting too much yeah you know so if things get a bit too much then yeah I'll go I always think I'd hate to be the therapist I literally go on for an hour and I'm like bah yeah (laughs) just like dump it with them and I'm bye (laughs) but that's 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 again like that's another thing that I find fascinating is people's perception of what they think therapy is in comparison to what it actually is is amazing. I think as well, though, some people like I've been to a good few therapists. I think it takes a while to actually find one that you like and not to be put off if you don't. But the thing about therapy, you have to understand that is so great is that you are giving your worries to somebody that you don't know. 
and yeah. you're giving it to, to them. So you're putting it into a, a neutral place and it won't come back at you. All it is is that you've got it off your chest. So that's a good thing. Yeah. That really is a good way of putting it, actually. Do you think that you're more open now with your own mental health because mm. of how open Roman is? Oh, absolutely. But I, I don't think it's just me. Yeah. I just think it's uh, a thing that's on the table now that we can all talk about. And uh, guys are a lot more open nowadays. Mm. So all they are, let's say, kind of, I don't know, I mean, yeah. in our part of the country, in our part of the world, yeah. uh, guys that I know are a lot more open, uh, generally. Yeah. And I think mm. it's the time we're living in. I think it's partially to do with that we're, you know, with programs like Romans Made yeah. and, uh, you know, things that are on TV nowadays. I think guys are a lot more open with each but other, that which is a lovely on, thing. Yeah, that kind of stuff wouldn't have been on TV yeah. 15 years ago. But we did, you mentioned your brain tumors, which I'm sure that sure. you're tired of talking about but no, do you no, think right. like going through such a massive health scare like that mm. how did that feel did that bring you down mentally oh absolutely I was on the floor you know because I did my brain tumors the whole session lasted for about four years you know That's because I had two time. taken out one big one that was sitting in the middle of my head that was taken out through surgery and yeah. then they, they found a second one that was growing right in the centre and so I had to wait a couple of years for that to be attacked. And so they took the first one out with surgery and then they zapped the second one two years later. But all in all, I, was, I had about four years where I was on the floor, you know. Yeah. And it was only really, I was one of those guys back in the day that said, no, I don't need therapy. You know, I can get through this on my own. And mm -hmm. that's how everyone used to be. And it was only the fact that Shirley, my wife, tricked me into going to see a therapist. She said to me that I was going for a massage. She did. This is <laughs> kind the of truth. truth. She said to me, go and see this guy. It will give you a massage and, you know, you'll feel a lot better. But as the guy was massaging me, he started asking me questions. <laughs> and then before I knew it, I was in a therapy session. All I would do was I would go there every week. I would sit on the bed and cry my eyes out, yeah. cry, 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 and just saying what was wrong all the time. And then before I knew it, those sessions, I was crying less and less, and I was getting it off my chest. But then... But then I thought, how can I make the most of this? And I wrote a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> Too right. <laughs> so I used, to, I used to go to the therapy session. I used to sit there, cry my eyes out. And then I would come home and about four o'clock in the morning, I would get up and start writing what I was crying about. So wow. I think the two things together, to be honest, got me through it and, and kept me sane. But uh, it was something that I didn't know how it worked, therapy. And therapy for me was a saviour. Yeah. Absolute saviour, because I didn't take the same sort of medication I think that I should have done at the time. Yeah. And it was left for me. Uh, at the time, the NHS, I had the brain tumors taken out, but there was no aftercare. I know that's different nowadays because, yeah. you know, back in my day, I'm, I'm talking like 25 years ago, uh, there was no real aftercare for it, uh, saying go and see this person, uh, you know, go and talk to I them. I suppose it wasn't, it just wasn't a thing It wasn't then. a thing. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays it is. Yeah. So people are, we are all, uh, you know, as a generation in a lot better position. We are. There's, there's so many different, it's really difficult, right, because it's, you want to be positive about it. But you also look at it and you say, okay, well, then that's that's fine. But then why, from the ages of 
10 to 18 suicides at its highest rate that it's ever been at. Yeah. And then when you do dig a little bit deeper and you start looking at it, what you then start to realize is that, and it's always kind of been my belief, take my friend Joe as an example, I believe that after the age of, of 16, specifically for lads, they've made a conscious decision as to how much they will open up to friends, family, even health professionals, like, you know, therapists. There's like a line. There's there's like a, yeah, I will tell you I'm sad about this, but I'm not going to tell you I'm sad about X, Y, Z. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've got, there's the parameters get set. And the only reason why is because they don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Right? So the priority for for me, so Joe's family set up, Joe's Buddy Line, a charity that, that helps send a, a mental health expert into a, a therapist, psychotherapist, go into to schools to help kids that. that go through trauma. Because I don't know about you, but I think the most traumatic period of your life is school. Yeah, You're learning social cues, you're learning deadlines, you're learning how to keep relationships, like everything, like how to talk and how to be and who yeah. you are as a person turns out from when you're at school. And that within the UK is, is the same as it is anywhere else. But what I was shocked at is that 50% of schools up and down the UK don't have any form of counselling, don't have any form of, of psychotherapy or therapists working within the school. I never remember. To- we never spoke about anything like that in school. But that's still that's still now. Yeah. Like That's the thing. It's like, it's like it's all well and good saying, yeah, guys now are you know, talking more, but that's because they're realising that, oh, what I'm going through is a thing. But by this point, it's too late. But let me, let me just ask, right? So if you've already set the parameters by the time you're 15, 16, which I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Right? So should that come down to the way that you, you we parent our kids? 100%. 100%. The way that mm. parent, you know, if they're not getting at the school, which is right what Rose said, then shouldn't it be something that parents should look to their kids and make their kids more open? 100%. You know, because I remember when I was a kid, right, if a sex scene came on the TV, then we all made out we were asleep at home. <laughs> yeah. And nobody, yeah. you know what I mean? All yeah. you could hear was snoring, that we, we, everyone was playing a game, <laughs> so you didn't have to address it as yeah. a family. But the way Rose was brought up, it wasn't like that. You know, it was well. Uh, surely, your wife it, it sounds much amazing. More open, you know, yeah, she was. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, like she was great, and she, for me, she caught it at that kind of pinpoint area. I was 15. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and even for you to send you to that random massage guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, oh, listen, yeah. she's brilliant. Shirley's brilliant. But, but all I'm saying is that some of the responsibility in getting people to open up as adults should come with their kids. You know, in with their in their parent. So inside the family. But I feel like girls, obviously we're talking about men here, but like girls, we all like dissect everything and we mm. all chat to each yes. other about everything. So at that age when you guys are all closing up and it's just like about what you've done at the weekend and yeah, yeah. like we are literally dissecting everything. So I feel like girls have more honest and open discussions. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the, the, the main thing is that even if even if you take into schools and you teach kids about and you teach young guys and girls about about mental health from the ages of five which I think is prime age to, to start talking about things like depression and, and anxiety and, and just understanding mm. what that is just knowing exactly knowing, knowing what it is, is. Yeah. my yeah. husband had no idea what anxiety what I mean. was and he's yeah. like what's wrong with you and like trying to explain to him even yeah. and now he gets it after so long but he was but, like 32 yeah. before he knew but that age at five what you're doing you're not saying is oh my god we're going to have every kid growing up in the next generation is going to be mental health gurus. It's not that. It's knowing that when you're in that situation, when you are struggling, right, going back to those ups and downs that I was talking about, not enough men definitely know what tools to 
go to in their brain to help them when they're in that bad place because they don't know what the hell's going on. Mm. And when they don't know what's going on, that's when it becomes scary. That's when you think I'm the only person that thinks like this. That's when you start thinking, how do I get rid of this? I don't know what to do. What's my way out? And the only way out, unfortunately, is to take their own life. And that's that's where the problem is. You know, it's, it's just, I, I always say this, it's like, um, and I, and I d- described it sometimes when, when I've been at my lowest point, it's like I'm just, my brain is beating me up. Uh, the only way I can describe it, it's like everything that is like the tiniest little bit bad is magnified. Yeah. I feel like I'm going... 12 rounds with Pete, Mike Tyson. And it's like, if you go into schools and you teach kids from the age of five, you're giving them those boxing lessons there that when they come to face Mike Tyson and go 12 rounds, they can put up a decent fight. Because at the moment, over the age of 16 now, I, I don't, I, I've struggled to find a lot of men that can do that. But I don't know why men are such, are so kind of against... There's certain things that the tools that you're talking about. One is uh, meditation, where you talk to some guys, they laugh at you about that. Therapy, no one really wants to try it. And if you talk about medication, people look down on it. And uh, I think we have to get past that. And it's like stigmas them. that yeah, are against all those understand things. them, that they are just tools, what Roman says. I always find it funny. Um, I was trying to explain people, again, see you know me taking a, an antidepressant as a weakness. And and I was just trying to explain it in a way that would, would be understandable. And how I thought about it was I find it fascinating that if a guy is going to the gym and says to his mates, I'm going to get really big, right? I'm going to get massive. I want protein powders. Yeah, yeah. Right. I want creatine. Do you know what I mean? All these types of things. And they'll openly say to their mate, what protein powder do you want? All these yeah, types yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I basically do that, but just for my brain. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to be at that level of happiness. So I'm trying to do what I can to to make sure that I can lift those weights mentally. Yeah. But with, with, with Ro, though, if uh, a couple of times he's come off of his tablet and I can see, well, I don't even, he doesn't even have to tell me that he's off of it because I can see in his whole demeanor in just who he is as a person. And me and Shirley are right on him. You know, just, it would just you know, be, do whatever be, you like, need to do to do you, get back to being you. Yeah. Do you feel sometimes that you're like, maybe I'll be okay now if I don't take the To be out. totally honest, right? It's it's just from like, I'll go on holiday or something like that and I forget I forget my tablets yeah. and then like, and then I'll be like, nah, I'll be five, five days. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be like, I'll be like how, am I, how long am I away for? Five days, week, 10 days. I'll be all right. Yeah. And then you come back and then you've kind of got out of the cycle of taking it. And then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm okay a little bit. And then it catch up with you. You know, even even now, even the lows that I've been at, sometimes there's times where I feel like I can slip into that. But And, and I always will, like 100% I always will. I just have to stay on top of it. How do you stay on top of it if you find yourself in a really like dark place? I have place? routine in my life. How do I stay on top of it? Routine? Yeah, routine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm lucky that I have routine in my life. Okay, Martin, this one is about you. Now, do you think more men are opening up about their mental health now compared to, well, 15 years ago? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot more open nowadays, you know. It's just the way that things are perceived on television, even, you know, which gets through into every house. I like to think that is the case. And I know that's the case kind of down here in London, in, you know, when we're talking about in the South, but I'm not sure it is further up the country but maybe it will be in time. What did your mates think of it when you said you were going to therapy? Oh, listen, when I went into therapy, see what Roe has, the reason why Roe on, is on that drug and why the problem Roe has is a chemical thing. What I had was a physical thing. It was about 
the physicality of what was going on inside my body, inside my brain. I mean, you've got to imagine when I came out of the brain tumour stuff, I could only see in one eye, I couldn't use one of my legs, my coordination had gone. If I wanted to walk left to a door, I would walk right. My brain was all over the place. You can't imagine because it had been torn apart inside physically. So that was enough to make anybody. So yours was more circumstantial than it for was what circumstantial. You're... It yeah. was uh, a physical thing where my brain had been attacked, and it was brain trauma rather than anything else. And it was the brain trauma that brought on a depression, which I'm not surprised. You know, if you're in a situation like that for uh, a couple of months, then. I'm not surprised that would bring on a depression. Four with anybody. years is a long time. Yeah. And so when it happened to me, whatever was happening to me, to be honest at the time, was a result. Because what really should have happened to me, I should have died with the, the size of the tumour. And so everything, the, re- the fact that I was still around was a result. And all anybody was saying to me was, just be grateful you're still here. Just be grateful you're still here. But at the time, when you're in the middle of it, when you're on a floor, you can't. I think what I discovered then as well is there's cer- certain times when you're in the middle of a depression that it is almost like you are in a bubble. You are watching the world happen on outside of this bubble and no one, no matter what they say, can prick and burst the bubble because you are inside it. And it's almost like you're listening to a numb sound that's going on outside of that wall. And that's how you feel when you're in this depression. And I've, I've sat there with with friends of mine and, and saying to them, you know, when they're, they're in a bad place, and saying, you know, we're here for you. Whatever you need, just get on the phone, call me and we'll talk. And they've come back and they've said to me, it doesn't matter. I can't, it doesn't matter what you're saying to me because I can't hear it. It's, you, I just see your mouth open and close, but I can't hear it because you're in this place that no one else can get you out of. And it takes, I think the key to it is trying not to get into that place in the first place. And, and what Romans say, be aware of it when it's coming on, use the tools that you've got to get you out of it before you find yourself trapped inside that bubble. Because once you're in there, that's when it's hard to burst. That's why it used to, it used to really annoy me when, uh, and it still does now because... Uh, a, f- a couple of things is like I, I remember uh, if people say oh well you know men that are depressed they should really just you know they should open up and they should talk about the feelings like forget that do you know what I mean <laughs> like the last thing I want to do in that moment is that and that's why like I think with the doc what we tried to do is when I've, I've really quickly realised I wasn't making a film about suicide I was making a film about friendship mm. and I was making a film that um, shows that the onus of a mental health issue needs to come away from the person that it's affecting and should be placed on the friend group. Should be. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And and because if you're really that person's friend, you want to look out for them. This is something that they can't see. The other, That person that's affected can't see it. They can't get out of that. It's hard for them to reach out as well. It's hard, yeah, yeah. it's hard. But, but, that's why, but that's why it's like, it's removing that stigma of asking someone else, not them talking to you. Yeah. 
That's right. Because they've yeah, already yeah. made the decision. Like I say, they've yeah. made that decision. Getting there early enough so that you don't end up trapped inside that bubble. Yeah. But, you know, when Roe was making that documentary, I'd say I, I was worried for him because, you know, when you make something like a TV show. If, so if heavy. I, yeah. If I might go away and make a heavy drama, I know that I take some of that home with me. Yeah. Uh, and that's how it makes you feel. And I was really worried for Roe that he would bring that the heaviness of the drama into his own being yeah, and tough, end up um, yeah. depressed from it. Did you struggle with that? Yeah, but I was, if I weren't making that, I was just going to be depressed anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. it was so soon. <laughs> well, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. What Rose, Rose, right. says, Rose says, you know, I shouldn't speak for you, but Rose says uh, in a way it was kind of like therapy for him. Yeah, yeah of course. In the end. Like 100%. Uh, it's exactly like I say, like, like, I needed to do that for me. I, yeah. I, I, I'm telling you now, I, I did not make that film because I thought this is going to help people. Genuinely, like, I didn't. I was like, I, I need this to help me, like because at the minute, I. I feel like now more than ever, though, people do need help with 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 things like that and to talk about it mm. because especially with COVID and everything, people were so yeah. isolated, and I think people were more faced with their mental health and like how badly it was affected, and people mm. that have never been affected before yeah, were seeing effect. Everyone's coping mechanisms got taken away from them. That's yeah. why I was so worried, and that, that's why I felt. Genuinely, I felt like one of the biggest things that I could not believe that was just completely ignored by the government in that point was, do you know how much you're messing up people with, the, with their mental health and you're not putting anything in place? You know, the therapist will tell you that there is a whole nother pandemic that's going on. And that is completely and utterly depression-led, anxiety-led, everything. And I was shocked because that whole time I was seeing a million adverts you know, don't go outside, you know, wear a mask, this, this and that. Not once did I see one advert that was about, if you're struggling, here's a number that you can reach out to. If you're this, 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 this. It was completely ignored. If people are listening and they're struggling with their mm. mental health at the moment, both of you, what kind of advice would you have? Know that it's it's tough. It, it's my, my message wouldn't necessarily be for the people that are struggling, it's to their friends. Because I feel like there's more of those friends. And, and, and when I say that that... that that shouldn't happen to anyone, but it does happen to a, too, way too many people to lose a friend in that circumstances. You, I've always said that if they're listening to this, the, the trick I've always said is I will hands down buy a drink for anyone that can text three people in their friend group who they presume are doing absolutely fine and use a two okay rule on that person of asking that person if they're okay, having a conversation. Then at the end of that conversation, asking, are you all right again? right and genuinely trying to prod into them i guarantee you learn something new out of at least one of those three people that you never knew and you didn't know that they were struggling with and just you having that conversation with that person will help them to the people that are struggling it is it, it, but the only thing i can say is i understand it, it like it's tough I, c I can only try to understand there's a lot of things in place if if you find yourself seriously alone that you can reach out to and there's always another option I like what Rose's saying as well, um, because if you think about it, that phrase that we always use, especially Londoners use to each other, guys, you know, the first thing we say is, you're right. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything. You're yeah. right. It's just a sound, a sound, you know. But what it's really meant to be is, are you all right? Mm. But yeah. we don't even hear it as that anymore. We just hear it as, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. If you so go true. to an American person, you say, you say to an American person, <laughs> you okay? 
they'd be like, oh my God, I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm great. They like, will tell you everything. Yeah. But, but, but it's part of our dialect. It's part of our language. Well, and in Ireland, it's literally just like, yeah, grand. Like yeah. everything's grand. Yeah, grand. Yeah. But they're yeah. just phrases now, you know. Yeah. It's good. That's a good one to check in. Actually, it reminds me, my sister was on a work call the other day and she just had one girl from her office on. And the girl was like, are you all right? And Amber was having a shit day. Yeah. And she was just like, obviously really down. And then like, honestly, about two minutes later, the girl was like, are you all right? Like, it sounds like you're not. And I was like, that's so nice of her yeah. to just like double. It is. It's, it's true. Double check in. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. And I, you know, I learned, I learned that from, from kids yeah. Who, yeah. who lost a friend of theirs. Yeah. See, I, I think as well, I think as well, people, the advice I, I think I would give is to try and attack any kind of depression anytime you feel low, really early on. The minute you feel it coming on, just don't wait until it gets to that point when you end up in that bubble. Don't wait for that. Just attack it really early on. Go and see somebody. Talk to somebody. Even if it's a therapist, if you can't afford a therapist, talk to a friend. If you can't, you know, if you haven't got a friend, just do something where you can get it out of your system and find one of those tools that work for you. But do it early on. Don't don't leave it. And for you, advice on people that have a loved one that is struggling with depression, what, what would you suggest? Uh, the minute you see it, talk about it. And go and talk to them straight away and bring it up. And don't be embarrassed about bringing it up because yeah. that's the problem we, that we have. A friend will see another friend, especially guys, and, and know they're struggling but mm. feel embarrassed that they, to bring it up. Yeah. Don't have that. And let's get rid of that embarrassment and maybe it's a good thing. Well, you two have been absolutely amazing. Thank you so Sorry, much. Sorry, chewed your ear off, yeah. I <laughs> loved yeah. this. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a good day of it. Thank yeah. you so much, yeah, both thanks. of you. Okay, we're going to have to wrap things up there. I'd just like to say a huge thank you to Roman and Martin for joining me today and being so open and honest about your own mental health, which is a really difficult but important topic. I think more role models coming forward and opening up in such an accessible way will definitely have helped a huge number of people and made them feel seen and less alone. So thank you so much for that. Now, more than ever, we need to be breaking down taboos around mental health. Always speak with a medical professional if you're worried about your mental health. No matter how you're feeling, remember that there's always help available. Charities like Samaritans also provide help and advice for anybody who's struggling. You can find out more in the show notes. And don't forget to rate and review the show if you enjoyed it. It really does help to spread the word. And remember, if you'd like more support and information on taking care of your own mental health, please always speak with a medical professional as a first port of call. You can also head over to boots.com forward slash health hub to access life effects, which gives you tips and advice from people living with anxiety and depression. Plus, there's the how are things mood and symptom checker, which helps you understand why you might be feeling the way you do and what you might be able to do to help you feel like you again. Been great being that here. will help so many people as well. Honestly, it was oh, such a nice, honest, open conversation. Oh, thanks, so man. Thank you. Thank you.